may it start right here and right now as I open up your word. Introduce me to your character. Show me your will. God, show me your promises. Show me your insights. Lord, give me some direction. I am ready to follow you. Amen. Well, it's great to have you here today. It's great to be worshiping with you, man. We're excited to be going after it. So whether you're joining us here in person or live stream, man, it is all about making much of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, hey, that's way too soft. And all of God's people said, and we are here to make much of Jesus. Let's not lose it. Let's hang on. Let's lean in. Let's go after it with all we've got. So that said, we're in a series here called Obey, Valuing God's Word. Valuing God's Word. We're talking about what it is to know God's Word, to hear God's Word, to respond to God's Word, that He might truly have a say in our lives, and that as we walk with Him, as we walk for Him, we show that we know the King of the universe. Lord, that we value you, we hear you, we love you, we're obeying you and your word. So we've looked at many different ways of going after God's word and talked about how we can know it. God's word is trustworthy. God's word is perfect. God's word is clear and true. God's word is fully sufficient, right? All these things that we've talked about, his word. And so because of that, how do we respond? We're talking now about application. How can I apply God's word to my life? And started into it last week with some applicational thoughts. And now today as we dive in, we're talking today, this sermon title is my role. God's word is my lamp. It is my lamp for my walking in this dark world, my lamp. Okay. So turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 119, starting in verse 105. Psalm 119, starting in verse 105, and let's get going. Point number one, uh, let God's word light your path. Let God's word light your path. So as we start in verse 105 here, he says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Let's just hold right there. So the psalmist starts out, he says, your word. And please hear me. This is God's word. This is not my word, right? Even if I'm holding my Bible, it's not my Bible per se. I may have gone and bought it at the store somewhere. And so I have it in that regard. But this is God's word, God's Bible, God's statement. This is not free for me to say, well, you know, the way I feel about this passage is, and all of a sudden I start shifting it, I start interpreting it off of what it actually says. That is not our approach to God's word. This is his word. What he says goes. Ready? And all of God's people said, that's a huge deal. Because as we open up God's word and we say, okay, God, whatever you say, that's how I'll walk in this world. Man, that directs us. That is why we take word by word, phrase by phrase every week and walk through God's word. What is God saying? Your word, Lord, right? So he says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A lamp and a light. 
like a, a flashlight in a dark woods walking along in the, on the path so you can see the things you need to step over, the things you need to step around. You can see where the path ends on either side of you. You can see where it's heading out in front of you. Putting a lamp to your feet, a light on your path so that as you walk in this dark world, you know where you're headed. God giving you clarity about him and his direction and his call. And this is a sweet privilege that we have to be able to have God's word applied into our daily life in this broken place in space. It is an amazing privilege to be able to learn from him. And so what things do we get from God's word? How is it a lamp? So I just wrote these words down. Five things that are revealed in God's word. Five things that are revealed in God's word. This isn't the only thing that's revealed in God's word, but at least these five things, right? Five things revealed in God's word. Here we go. First, God's character, like who he is. God's character is revealed. We get to understand who he is and how he works in this world. God, like he is eternal. He is righteous. He is holy, right? God, he is love. God is forgiving and merciful, And he brings us this understanding of himself all over scripture. So as you open up God's word, being able to see him, to learn of him, to know him. Man, every time you open up God's word, just saying simply, Lord, show me who you are. May I worship you all the more. God's character, who he is. That's a huge one that's revealed. Uh, Second, God's will. God's will like where he wants us to go, what he wants to see done, what God is going after. So while the first may give us a who, this gives us a what, right? God's will. We start to understand direction in that regard and leading in that regard, God's will along the way. So God's character, God's will, and then God's promises. God's promises, things he's going to do. This speaks probably more about the future than the present per se, but it can bring in promises of the present, right? We have hope of him at work in our lives. He is doing something here and now and all the way in to forever. This massive hope of promise, work that he is doing in my life as he changes my heart, work that he's doing in the church overall, work that he is doing with the nation of Israel, work that he does with the downtrodden as he takes us home to heaven forever, done with sin, done with death, done with heartache. Man, it is all behind us. Those are promises of God's word. We can cling to his promises. So God's character, God's will, God's promises, and then God's insight. You know, sometimes God even reveals the why of what he's doing. And it's not always that God gives us the why, right? He's in charge, but sometimes he gives some clear statement of why. When we start to see the sin of this world bringing such tragedy, when we see heartache and loss, when we see death and pain, God, why? And he's given us clear understanding, right? Our sin has broken this place. Our sin has washed on the shore. And there is punishment and there is things that we have to know are a consequence. And as we start to understand that, it helps in processing so much what is going on. 
being able to see the why of things and how God works in our lives along the way, man. This is a massive journey. If you don't see it, all of a sudden you start to say, I don't understand what's going on. Like maybe God isn't that good. Like maybe it's not my fault. Maybe it's not, okay, if it's not our sin, then what is it? Well, then it has to be God who broke it. And all of a sudden, instead of us taking responsibility, we shift blame to God. We start tearing him down. Now his promises mean nothing. And we start drifting hard. Be careful, right? Anchor in God's word. God's word is super clear along the way about who he is, about what he's doing with his will, his promises, his insight. And then the last one, God's direction. God's direction in your day-to-day walk, right? It's super clear and easy to get some of the, Lord, where should I be going? Right? Just remember, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths to be leaning on him, right? That's Proverbs 3, 5 through 5 and 6, and even up into 7 and 8, phenomenal verses there for direction, Our God leads us and guides us. Know this, we can have direction. We can gain insight. We can have promises. We can have the will of God. And ultimately, we can even meet the character of God in Scripture. Man, as you open up God's Word on a daily basis, diving in to just say, okay, Lord, I am ready to hear from you. Who are you? What do you have to teach me about you? That is a massive powerful worship approach to God's word. And all too often we start approaching God's word like a self-help book. Okay, Lord, how do we make it a little easier for me? Like, God, it would be great if this could get a little more comfortable. So what do we do to go after that? And and all of a sudden, as we go after a self-help book, we're not so much working on our worship. We're not learning anything about God. We just want the stuff to not be so bad with me. How can I address that? And man, that's not the moment that we're getting the right things out of God's word. Know this, God is introducing you to who he is and what he's doing. Lord, I am ready to hear from you. And all of God's people said, Dude, that is a huge deal. This is God's word. And it's a lamp to our feet. It's direction along the way. He says, I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. Like I'm in, I'm committed, I'm all in with this. So we're super clear. He's like, I have confirmed and I have committed to go after doing what's right. We are not saved by good works. Let that settle. We are not saved by good works. And all of God's people said, right? We are saved unto good works. We are saved to be able to have good works be a thank you offering back to him. So hear me on this. We are not saved by works. We do not keep our salvation by works, but works are a sweet and powerful way to be able to say, God, thank you for what you're doing in my life. God, I'm amazed with who you are and all that you're doing. The psalmist says it here as he's like, I'm committed to following after you and what you're calling us out to do. Ephesians 2.10 says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And we are created 
to be able to follow after him, to be able to celebrate him, to be able to give back to him, and to be able to lift up and point to him with our works, with our love, with our worship. This is the call. So in this journey that has a lot of pain and heartache, in this journey that has a lot of darkness and confusion, how are we supposed to walk? What does it look like? Well, the psalmist gives us a little bit of an example right here. He says, I am severely afflicted. Like we begin to talk with God. We just get real with God. We share with him where we're at. God, I'm, I'm so hurting on this. And please hear me as we share this. It's not like God all of a sudden says, oh, I didn't know that, right? God's not caught off guard by our pain. But as we're sharing with him, God, I am so severely afflicted. This is us connecting with him and him with us. He's like, yes, I know. Your God loves you. Your God is fully aware of what's going on. But you being able to communicate with him, God, I am reeling on this. This is crushing in the middle of the day, in the middle of this walk. It's like I am... Lord, I'm just getting personal and real with you. I am severely afflicted. And then he says, give me life, O Lord, according to your word. I love that statement. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. He doesn't say, give me life. God, I don't care about your word. Give me what's easiest. Give me what's most comfortable. He doesn't, everybody say, not that. Dude, that's not it. He's saying, Just, Lord, please show me what your word directs me to, and I'll go after it with all I've got. Give me life. Give me this hope. Revive me, God, based on your word. May your word be a map, a guide, a direction, a hope. May I look to your word and see who you are and see what you're doing. And Lord, may I trust in you along the way. May your word be a light and a lamp and a map in my life. And all of God's people said, it's a huge deal. You know, as we go on trips, we love to have maps, right? Maps are pretty helpful to know where you're going. And if you remember, if you're, well, if you're in your 50s or older, you'll remember this. If you remember when you wanted to get a map, you had to like go to a gas station and you had to pick out the state you were driving to, and you had to buy that state's map, some of you are nodding your head. Join with me in being a little older, right? And you open up the map, and it's not small, man. Those things were gigantic as you open these things up, right? Then you're picking out where you're going to go. And there's no Google to figure out where you're going, right? You're like, I don't even know where this city is in the state. How am I going to find this? And so now you have to look down the side and it gives you cross-reference and okay, down there it is down there. And you find the city, right? Then you start to figure out what roads you're going to take to get there. Then you get in the car and you hand your wife the map. (laughs) As you start driving, you're like, tell me what I'm supposed to do, right? We're going down this road and we're going to turn over there. And then she opens up this gigantic map in the car. That's safe, right? And as you're trying to look over and she's trying to figure out, sometimes you have to pull over to figure it out. And man, we used to use maps all the time. Now we have GPS. Thank the Lord for that, right? 
kind of nice to be able to have our phones and we just pop out our GPS and uh, it's getting better and better and better with the GPS now, so we don't have to have it. One thing I have noticed with GPS, when you go anywhere with GPS, you have no idea where you are. Have you ever noticed that? There's no way you can get out of there. You get done and you're like, how do we go home? You're like, put it back in GPS, I don't know. We got to get out of here, right? We don't know where we're going. And as you start to use this GPS, it starts to direct you. And it's gotten pretty accurate now, right? It's calling out as it's getting closer. You're like, you'll be turning in 300 feet. I don't even know what 300 feet looks like exactly when I'm going at 30 miles an hour or 50, right? But you'll be turning in 300 feet. You're like slowing down. You're beginning to turn. It's telling you what to do. You know, my wife and I had an experience with GPS in the early days of GPS when it wasn't all that great necessarily. And it was like, hey, let me help you get to the spot. We were going to somebody's house. It was not around here, but we were going to somebody's house. And as we were going there, it was telling us where to turn, turning left and right. And as we're turning, we're like, what in the world? Where's this taking us? And we got into these weird back roads and it didn't seem right at all. It actually got a little industrial, and then it looked a little dangerous where we were. And as we're driving along, it's like, turn right again. And we're like, didn't we already go down this street? Like, what is this thing doing? And finally, I'm not kidding. It literally said, pull over and park the car, get out and walk across the open field. Your destination is over there. I'm sorry, that is like saying I quit. You know what I mean? But we literally, we had to stop. We're looking like, seriously? And there was, there was a giant open field, hundreds of yards across. And I, who knows what's out there? It's dark. Like, we're not going to walk across the open field. So we're like, there's got to be a road over there, right? So we actually drove around and tried to hunt down in on it and find it that way. We did ultimately end up finding the place. But uh, GPS has gotten a lot better nowadays, man. Yeah, we don't have the paper maps and we don't have the, I don't know, you're within a couple hundred yards, start walking, right? We don't have that. We've got very accurate GPS and quite frankly, getting better and better. Still needs to improve in some areas. Man, just so we're super clear, God's word is a GPS that has absolutely no error in it. And all of God's people said, we have hope. It can direct. May we follow May we listen to every little detail along the way and watch God's word show us who he is and where he wants us to be. The journey can be absolutely thrilling if we follow God and his word. So simple question. So how are you doing at taking God's word and shining it on the path of your life? God's word being the lamp or the GPS for you? Are you listening to God on a daily basis? Okay. Point number two, learn. Learn God's word and apply it to your life. Learn God's word and apply it to your life. He says, accept my free will offering of praise, O Lord. My free will offering. This is like, Lord, I'm giving back to you. You've given to me. So now I'm giving to you, freely giving back to you, just saying, thank you, God. This is a worship and a thanks you've given to me. So I give back of my first fruits, right? That's why we call it first fruits offering. As he gives to us, the first thing we do is take a piece off giving back, saying, you're amazing, God. Thanks for providing into our home. He's like, thank you, God, that I have this 
free will offering to be able to give to you. He says, and teach me your rules. Teach me your rules. Teach. Just so we're clear, this word does not just mean for you to be able to say what the rules are. It's way more than that, right? Teach. We'll just put three words to it, okay? Teach. It means, first of all, to be able to know the rules. To be able to know. And many might think it just stops right there, but it does not. To be able to know God's word and know God's rules. To be able to understand what he's asking of you. That's the first. To know it. Second, to want it. Your desires getting in line with God's rules. God, help me to want what you want. Lord, shape me, teach me, help me to know it and want it. May I long for what you long for, God. To know, to want, and then the last is, and to follow. God, may I act on it. May I engage in all of this. May I go after a daily worship of you because of knowing you, because of knowing your word, because of wanting what you want. May I follow after you. This is the call. May we truly know him and follow him. Teach your word to me, Lord. Shape my heart. May I follow you along the way. He says, I hold my life in my hand continually. In the Hebrew, that word for life there is the word nefesh. It means this physical life in this world. Like we manage our physical life. We manage our body and our breathing and our life and our health along the way. We manage it daily, continually, right? And as we do that, we're taking on a form of worship just in how we act and behave. Our nefesh, our physical body, our managed life, he says, but I do not forget your law. Like God, whatever I do, whatever I go after, it's not just driven by me. It's not just driven by what I want. God, it's driven also by what you want. I do not forget your law. Lord, I manage my life for your glory. That's what he's saying. God, my life, your glory. That's a huge call out. He says, the wicked have laid a snare for me. The wicked, like the evil people, the ones that are against God, the ones that know God's character and they stand on the opposite side. The wicked, the ones who want to see God's character torn down, they want to see God's will not done. The wicked. It's like, just so we're clear, the wicked have laid a snare for me. And just so you know, in the original language, the word snare is not really what it says there. It it can be used for it, but what it actually says is a tool that causes me to trip up. A a tool that causes me to trip up. That's what it says. Now, a snare is kind of that, but it misses one piece, the baiting. There is a bait that goes into it. There is a drawing and a calling across. The wicked are calling me and drawing me to go away from you, God. They've laid a snare that draws me in. What does the snare speak to? Well, it, it speaks to my pride. It speaks to my feelings. It speaks to my ease and my comfort. Lord, 
there's times where I just want it to lighten up. And man, that is so inviting to hear somebody give the easy way out. And um, says, but I do not stray from your precepts. I will not back off. This is the absolute statement of the psalmist saying, look, no matter what the draw, I'm moving around it. Like I'm walking along in life and I see the snare, I see the draw and I'm going away from it so that I will not trip. Know your weaknesses. Know what draws you in and be willing to stay very far away from those things that entice, those things that make you walk away from God's word. Be committed instead to hanging right with God's word and right with who your God is. Ready? And all of God's people said. As an illustrate, hey man, we got Super Bowl Sunday coming up so this, uh, this afternoon. So let's just talk a little bit about Super Bowl, all right? Football. So last night I decided to actually watch a little bit of... Uh, uh, there was a vid out that's talking about two coaches that got together and they were talking, Coach Belichick and Coach Saban. And uh, for those of you who know football, they're big names in football. Both of them have each won six, uh, won one six uh, championships in the college domain, won one six in the NFL. They're actually very close friends. They work together over the course of years. And so they sit down once a year and they talk together. And so they just kind of sat with them and copied and recorded some of what they were saying and talked about a little bit of what they learned. And it was amazing to hear some of the statements they were giving, some of the big pushes they had. But like, actually in many cases, they were pretty basic things. Like here was the, one of the number one statements that comes from them. Work hard. That's it. That's like the genius move. Do your job. Work hard over and over. It is amazing how often people need to be told, do your job. Work hard. And all of God's people said, right? And as they were talking it through, they're like, look, our job is to rally these teams together to be able to perform the best that they possibly can. It was fascinating to watch them just go through the basics of the football rhetoric and being a coach there. That said, you know, coming up uh, today, we've got the Super Bowl, two football teams playing each other for the kind of the championship, if you will, in the NFL, right? And uh, so there's really two quarterbacks that were brought to light right now uh, in the NFL. One that got the MVP. I don't know if you guys know this, but Lamar Jackson got the MVP this year. Lamar Jackson is a believer. And uh, so as he uh, got the MVP and as he was the accepting the, the award, this is the first sentence he said as Lamar Jackson steps up to the mic. He says, first and foremost, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like right off the bat, from the top, I want everybody to know I follow Jesus. That's where I stand. And that's taking a stand for your Savior, right? May we be that in our lives. You know, another quarterback, Brock Purdy, is actually playing in today's Super Bowl. Lamar is not, but Brock Purdy is playing. He plays for the 49ers. So he's going to be the starting quarterback this afternoon. And it's a huge thing. Like Brock Purdy was just drafted uh, really in the last couple years here, last year, I think it was. And as he was drafted in, he was drafted absolutely last. 
like the last guy in the entire draft. It's a huge statement of how many people didn't want you. You know what I mean? Like there's a point where at the end, they're like, all right, fine, we'll take you. Here we go, let's go, right? And that's kind of it. And he was that guy. They actually have a tag for that. A tag is Mr. Irrelevant. That's a nice name, right? Mr. Irrelevant. And uh, it's, a, it's a tagline that for him is uh, kind of hurtful too. You know what I'm saying? And as they brought him in, he was supposed to be the guy who was like, well, he's a backup to the backup. And so they had him on the team and he was practicing along with. And then all of a sudden during the games of the year last year, uh, the main quarterback got injured. And as that quarterback was out, he stepped in and started to play. He actually started to play pretty well. They got all the way to the point where they were in the NFC Championship, almost went to the Super Bowl. He ended up hurting his elbow right in the last few minutes and wasn't able to play. As he was out and they were trying to work on it, they ended up not being able to score any points. They ended up not going to the Super Bowl last year. He had to have a surgery on it. He was being interviewed and uh, afterwards about it and just what's going on. And he basically said, I I just want to say, It's not about me. And if I never play football again, fine. Like whatever my Lord wants, I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So maybe I play again and maybe I don't. That's where I'm at right now. As he ended up just saying those statements, he followed it up with this. I need to deny myself and pick up my cross and follow Jesus. Not here for me, man. I am here for Jesus Christ. I can't worry about keeping a job. I can't worry about keeping respect or anything else. Whatever God chooses to do, God chooses to do. I follow him. And all of God's people said, as a thunderous statement, and the guy said, well, can I ask you a question? Do you pray during the games? That's a good question, right? Do you pray during the game? He said, uh, Uh, yeah, of course I pray during the game, right? But I don't pray, God, please help me win. God, please give, I pray, Lord, help me to have a peace in the middle of this. God, help me to do my best, whatever that is. And Lord, whatever you choose as the outcome, I sit under you, I worship you. Lord, help me to do my best in this moment. That's the prayer request. Dude, that is a thunderous prayer request from somebody who's sitting on a top shelf stage. It's a big deal. You asked him next, so how do you walk as a Christian in the NFL? Isn't that kind of hard? And he said, yeah, it's ridiculously hard. There's a lot going on that tries to tear us down. But I'm just telling you, some great friends that I partner with and we actually study the word together, we hang together, we support each other, and they've been a huge deal for me. In fact, he said, one of the best friends I've got is um, Christian McCaffrey. Like he's a huge believer and a super strong guy. And the two of us get into the word together throughout the week when we travel and we're somewhere else. We're trying to spend some time together. Just so you know, Christian McCaffrey, number one running back in the NFL on the Niners and Brock Purdy, spending time together, making much of Jesus Christ. Man, make sure that we live our lives for Jesus Christ. Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, May we follow him. May we follow his word. 
And all of God's people said, so look, man, you may not be planning on watching the Super Bowl, or maybe you are going to watch it now, and uh, you can watch cheering for Brock Purdy, and you can pray for the Niners to win, because Brock Purdy isn't, right? <laughs> Go after it, and make sure you're having a blast during the game, being able to see whatever God does, and uh, love being able to hear of people who are willing to take a stage and make it not about them, but make it about the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, are you ready to follow Jesus? His rules, his word, his way. All right. Point number three. Point number three. Thankfully, celebrate the special guidance you have from your king. Thankfully, celebrate the special guidance you have from your king. He says, your testimonies are my heritage forever. Your testimonies, like your promises, your callings, the words you have given about who you are and what you're going to be doing, they are my heritage. They're my future, my inheritance. They're my hope. I lean on you and your word. And he says, forever. For how long? Forever, man. We can count on God's word forever. Our eternity is in hand. Lean on your king for that. He says, for they are the joy of my heart, my inheritance, so it's my hope. My hope, so it becomes my joy. I take a privilege and a celebration and a joy in being able to live for my king. This is my eternal, perfect future. God, may I live for you and may I start today with how I'm going to live forever. Men, please hear me. We have God's word. We know where God is headed. We have the privilege and the opportunity of being able to say right here and right now, Lord, I put my heart and my worship underneath your leadership you're in charge. May right now, may we commit ourselves to follow him forever with the way it's going to be. We're going to be a home in heaven, his glory, his perfection. So let's just get it started now. All for him, all for his name, all for his fame. And all of God's people said, he says, I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Like forever and ever and ever. God, it is you. It is your saving of me. It is your giving what I don't deserve. It is your leading me and your teaching me and your giving me a chance to have a celebration worship in front of you and your glory that never was deserved. God, I am ready forever to be following you. And may it start right here and right now as I open up your word. Introduce me to your character. Show me your will. God, show me your promises. Show me your insights. Lord, give me some direction. I am ready to follow you. That's our privilege. As we open up God's word, know this. Our battle cry needs to be, Lord, I'm ready to depend on you. I depend on you, God. 
I abide with you, God. I want to draw life from you. You are the way and the truth and the life. You are my hope and my king. Lord, I follow you. I abide with you. Lord, I am ready to deny myself and take up my cross and follow you. This is our battle cry. And all of God's people said, may we be a church that sets self down and picks up Christ. May we depend on him with all we've got. Let's pray. 